Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for a little fun with Counterpoint. Tonight facing off, we've got Michael Diamond, who is back, back, because he was the campaign strategist for Mr. Doug Ford. Not only did you get the leadership with him, but you got him elected in office. You know, it's uh, non- <laughs> nonstop, but I am not tired of all the winning yet. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side, Gabe DeRoche, uh, he is with Hilton Knowlton Strategies, and of course, you were on the other side of the aisle, and um, you did really well. <laughs> not, 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 not as, uh, <laughs> You're a good sport. What can I say? You're a not good sport. as much uh, winning on, on my side. But, you had 15 uh, years of winning. You, you both look Fair a lot enough. more relaxed. I got to be honest. You look a lot more relaxed than uh, what I saw last week. But nonetheless, two very different outcomes. Let's talk about uh, the one story that uh, affects us all. And these are these escalating attacks on our prime minister, um, where U.S. President Donald Trump, I, look, he's he's outwardly today pledging to punish the people of Canada because of a comment that Mr. Trudeau said after the G7 news conference in which Trudeau simply said, Michael, um, you know, we're not going to be pushed around. Am I missing something here? Well, I guess, you know, the, 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 the best part of the story was Donald Trump claiming that Justin, air quotes, did this press conference because he really thinks our prime minister is a complete moron, by the way, (laughs) because he thought that he could get away with this secret press conference while the president was in the air. Well, ha, 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 the president's (laughs) plane has uh, televisions. Uh, That's what my biggest takeaway from this is that he thinks Justin Trudeau's weak. He thinks he's stupid. And he he thinks he can take retribution out on on the people of Canada. Let's hope uh, cooler heads prevail. Uh, He praised Kim Jong-un as a great negotiator today. Maybe yesterday maybe we need uh, a great negotiator here also well you know should we then gabe you know be sending some bench strength like i don't know where you go from here i mean trudeau can't win either which way if he's tough he gets crapped on if he's not tough he gets crapped on um and trump doesn't respect him clearly so do you send up more bench strength with a few ex-prime ministers to say don't screw around i think uh, i think you you pursue a, a strategy that um that gets to the people that uh, maybe you know Donald Trump uh, listens to. Um, well, we took his daughter to a play. Well, well, what we more do you date, want? We need another that. date night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think it's Republican governors. I think it's uh, congressmen and senators. Does Donald Trump listen to anyone? I think that's a a fair a fair question to ask. But uh, I was at a speech uh, at at, uh, at lunch today with uh, with Mayor Tory and he made the good point that there are all these companies in that are American companies that are doing business in Toronto we need some of these business leaders as well to be uh, to be spokespeople for uh, for the relationship between the United States and Canada I think that's a great uh, a great strategy and a great next step uh, we need to we need to really understand what <laughs> who who if anyone uh, Donald Trump is going to listen to who can contain the crazy well Doug Ford has business in the United States and he is someone who could likely get on with a guy like Donald Trump. Um, you know, he says NAFTA is going to be his number one priority. Does his mandate change, Michael, because of what's going on? Well, look, he's going to be carrying a lot of weight for the uh, the people of Canada, not just the people of Ontario. But I think he is an ideal person to, to lead this fight. He, he is a business guy. Uh, you know, he and Donald Trump talk the same language because they, they are focused. You know, their their backgrounds are not politics. It's business. It's making money, employing people, creating jobs. So from that perspective, I think, uh, you know, they'll, they'll actually be able to talk to each other. The other thing is Doug Ford is comfortable around 
everybody. Justin Trudeau uh, grew up very privileged uh, from a from a you know grew up in Twenty Four Sussex Drive. Uh, he's very comfortable in certain in certain circles. He wouldn't know many people like Donald Trump. There's not many people like Donald Trump, oh. but he wouldn't know folks like that. Doug Ford is comfortable uh, at a backyard barbecue, uh, you know, right to the White House. Okay. Well, I think. I mean, there's uh, no there's no question. Ontario, I think. Uh, will be hardest hit of any province in the country if if tariffs hit the way Mr. Trump is threatening. I think that's absolutely right, and I think that uh, I think it's a it's a really positive sign for all the uh, criticisms I've uh, I've lobbed at uh, at Doug Ford. I think it's uh, it's really positive that he is joining this uh, united front that um, that all parties uh, are are participating in with with the prime minister to um, to really take a, take a hard line. Uh, with the with the government after after trying to uh, charm them for uh, for some time, I think we've we've seen a real shift in uh, in tone when the when Donald Trump announced these new uh, tariffs on aluminum and steel. Uh, you had uh, you had Justin Trudeau and and Christian Freeland, the foreign minister, going on uh, going on American TV, and I think that we're uh, really we're um, really fighting uh, fighting fire with fire, and that's uh, that's the approach we've got to take now. Do you think this would have happened if if uh, look, if it if it had been Stephen Harper, let's say, do you think this would have happened, Michael? Or well, do you it, think it was a sense that he felt weakness? Or, or in tr- I don't know what it is about Trudeau that he just kind of knocked around. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, Donald Trump will will look at the largest flaw that he perceives in someone's character and use it against them. So we, we saw how he destroyed the Republican establishment from yeah. Jeb Bush to yeah. Ted Cruz and so on and so forth. So with Stephen Harper, I think, you know, you wouldn't have seen him call Stephen Harper weak. No. Um, maybe Stephen Harper would have got lucky and not have done a press conference uh, when uh, the prime, when the president was in the air and he wouldn't have gotten offended. Like, that's what we're dealing with here. But we're again, with, yeah, I don't think he did anything wrong. Fel- he didn't do anything and, and wrong. And I'm tough on Trudeau. He, he, did, yeah. <laughs> what look, did he we, do wrong? You know, I don't get we, we became friends making jokes about uh, Justin Trudeau. So it, it's it's hard to not take a shot at him. But I, I not going to right now because, you know, the president is uh, wrong on this. And we saw some Republicans Absolutely. in the Senate, uh, uh, Warren, uh, uh, Orrin Hatch in, in Utah and the Canadian born Ted Cruz uh, saying that, you know, uh, the president's off base here. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about one thing that's just happened. I'll ask you quickly. Um, Mr. Bernier, Maxime Bernier, has been kicked out effective immediately from the uh, official opposition shadow cabinet. Mr. Uh, Scheer, the leader, sending out the news today um, that he had to remove him. You surprised by this, game? I mean, we should set up that Mr. Bernier has been very vocal um, and speaking out about things like, um, you know, milk and cheese and, and how he wants to break up that monopoly. But mm-hmm. that goes against what Mr. Mr. Sheer wants, which well, I think uh, Bernier has been a bit of a, a maverick inside uh, inside the uh, Conservative Caucus uh, federally, and uh, I think that he was uh, maybe there was a, a bit of a straw that broke the camel's back, uh, broke Andrew Shear's back today, uh, and he's been working on this uh, this book that calls out some of the uh, some of his, his fellow conservatives, yeah. and uh, and I understand today he missed a really. Uh, a key vote where all the parties unanimously yeah, voted, I'll get, we'll, voted we'll to cover condemn that in the, the tariffs. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll cover that one. Um, but do you think, look, and I don't want to get too involved in this because it's a much bigger debate, but Bernier, I think a lot of people agree with him over breaking up the the cheese and the, well, the milk and the subsidies that we pay 
Well, it's not subsidies. Sorry, the American subsidized dairy, yeah. we do not in Canada. So let's just, uh, you know, so we do have a different system than the Americans. Um, no one would invent either of them today. Uh, but uh, the position, the policy position of the Conservative Party of Canada is to support the status quo on uh, supply-managed uh, uh, dairy. It was the position that Stephen Harper uh, took. It's the position of Andrew Scheer. So it's the party's position, and uh, Maxime Bernier is offside with that. He said he was putting it to his own personal back uh, burner, uh, you know, We'll have to see if uh, that book comes out. And let's also remember this is not... I'm th- I'm, I actually think the book might be out tomorrow morning after this. I mean, I mean honestly, I'm not sure Between how Shear thought... Between that and Patrick thought- Brown's book, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot but of I reading. I don't know how Shear thought... I think a lot of people are actually not on Shear's side on this thing. Well, the, the membership of the party is uh, is on uh, Andrew Shear's side. And it's one of the reasons he actually won the leadership. But it's one of the reasons he beat... Ma- it's not one of the reasons, it right? The reason, it's yeah. the reason he beat Maxime Bernier in Maxime Bernier's home writing. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. We'll leave it there because it's a bigger conversation, but uh, it just came down. So we thought we'd throw it in. 829. And when we come back, we'll talk about and pick up on what Gabe was just talking about. And that's his vote that kind of came out of nowhere with the liberals reversing a foreign policy uh, position for them on the Iranian regime. We'll talk about that next coming up here on Point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Great to have you here. It is Counterpoint. We've got Michael Diamond and Gabe DeRoche to throw around some of the big stories of the day. And uh, what Gabe was mentioning before we went to break is that the uh, Liberal Caucus, uh, led by Mr. Trudeau, I think surprised a lot of people. They voted en masse to support a conservative motion calling on the government to denounce the Iranian regime and cease the restoration of diplomatic relations, which is a complete reversal game of where they've been for the last three years, which is cozying up to the regime and saying, yeah, we're going to open the embassies and undo pretty much everything Mr. Harper did. But now I'm hearing late tonight that they may be walking this back. So was this all for show or is this a sincere move? Well, I don't think I would characterize it as uh, as cozying up to the regime, but you've seen uh, you've seen in uh, in recent days the regime say some uh, some incredibly uh, outrageous uh, statements that are worthy of condemnation. Well, they've always uh, said it. They just reiterated around it. Around the uh, eradication of the of the state of Israel, that kind of thing is completely unacceptable. And it's uh, it's it's. Um, I think it's encouraging that uh, that the Liberal government has made uh, has made a pretty strong statement, um, both uh, both in statements from the Prime Minister and uh, and the Foreign Minister, as well as uh, as this motion. And I think uh, I don't think you need to read um, read a whole whole lot into it, other than the fact that this is a real uh, strong condemnation from our government. What took so long, Michael? You know, I mean, let me ask you this: Do you think that this is um, in response to Mr. Trump and saying, okay? We'll play. We'll come over to your side on this thing because Trump has been so unequivocal on Iran. Do you get the sense that Mr. Trudeau is saying, look, we've got to signal that? Look, you there know. could be a ton of factors at play here. There could have been some internal caucus pressure. They could have looked at the uh, Ontario election results last week and saw a whole host of previously safe ridings where this issue matters very much, like St. Paul's yeah. that went NDP and yeah, uh, Willowdale that went conservative, uh, where, where this is an issue that matters. So they might they might have taken a, a thought on that. Who knows? Whatever it is, I'm very glad to see this U-turn from Justin Trudeau and uh, the Liberal Party. Shocked, but very glad to see, you know, Trump... Uh, if it's sincere. If it's sincere. And this is a good first step. Let's uh, hold them to account. But if they're going to look more like Stephen Harper on foreign policy matters, any matter, frankly, I'm going to be I'm going to be a happy Canadian. I'll still vote against them, but I'll be happy in the meantime. Yeah. Look, if you do this kind of I don't care what 
I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. This is just to me the right place to stand mm-hmm. in history. So kudos to them if they're doing this out of sincerity because uh, it, it never made much sense to me why they were. There was no benefit in the, them doing this if they're going to uh, not stick to this course. You know, you don't want to have two sides on, on an issue. So uh, I, I think we'll, we'll see hopefully the right uh, actions moving forward from from this uh, uh, government also. Yeah. Let's uh, just kind of come more uh, locally here, because um, if you're at Pearson Airport, you no longer have to get in those private black cars, which cost a fortune. You can actually now take Lyft or Uber. Yeah, imagine <laughs> that. The uh, share Novel uh, the, the share economy has now gone out to the airport. But um, the Greater Toronto Airport Authority said they had no other option because they were getting hundreds of thousands of requests for ride shares to come and pick them up. But the taxi companies are not very happy. Here is uh, the uh, boss over at Beck Taxi saying, hey, hello, what about us? But the fact is that this is a service that is uh, required at the airport and could have been provided by Toronto or Mississauga or Oakville or, you know, Brampton taxis. So the idea that they would go to these personal vehicles, these private vehicles, most of which are not labeled properly, most of them of which are not marked properly, they'll likely end up in the airport posing as personal vehicles, picking up friends and family to avoid any fees. And for those that will pay the fees, this is money that's going right out of our country. So I just find it really, really hard to believe that the, you know, federal regulation over the airport or that the provincial government hasn't stepped in at some point to talk about the Highway Traffic Act and all of the ways in which these services are negatively impacting our city. That is Christine Hubbard, who is uh, operations manager over at Beck Taxi. What I say is go out there, cabs, to hell with it. Do what Uber did is disrupt the market out there and eventually the municipalities will come around to your side. Yeah, it's it's a consumer-friendly decision. The fact is that people uh, vote with their but with their wallets on consumer issues like this, uh, the people love to use Uber and Lyft. The fact is, uh, it's you know it's a heck of a lot cheaper than uh, than taking these uh, these. It's like these well, quarters, it's cheaper. It's cheaper because they're not paying ninety five hundred dollars a year for the honor of picking people up at Pearson. So so <laughs> we we have people working very hard and playing by the rules. And full disclosure, I'm a former lobbyist for the taxi industry. Uh, people working very hard and playing by the rules, and people who are, have zero cost of entry, of course, are offering a, a cheaper service. We we need to have one set of rules here. If they're going to allow rise share under under this situation, that ninety five hundred dollars that the black car pays, God to be waived. It yeah. will allow them to compete. Yeah, and, and I, at one point years ago, um, acted as a spokesperson on behalf of the cab industry. And it was only by doing that that I realized how unlevel the playing field is, which is, you know, to say, okay, fine, let the free market decide and let the best service and the best well, price win. D- don't set a race and then tie one one competitor's uh, feet together, which is what the city of Toronto did here and other jurisdictions in Tro- a- a- across Canada. So th- that's where the problem is. You know, competition's great. And a lot of the taxi drivers and uh, license owners will tell you, competition's not the problem. It's this pretend competition right. that we have here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you have you have people coming in from, from all over the world who are used to using uh, Uber. They've got Uber and Lyft, Lyft accounts. They get to Toronto and they say, well, you know, they turn on their app and what is it's, it's embarrassing, I think, for, embarrassing. for our city. Oh, God, I, I, that's absolutely. ridiculous. It's a service people like to use. They use it in other cities. Why haven't, uh, why, well, why I, haven't we adjusted it's embarrassing. the times? It's embarrassing holding a group that's primarily new Canadians to a very uh, much higher standard of rules than this uh, multi 
multinational uh, American company. There should be one set of rules. Absolutely. And and frankly, I mean, the Cavs, they were left out of the process. But then again, they haven't learned how to play the game, become the disruptor. That, that Literally, that's how Uber did it. Uber just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And they knew that the glacial pace of city council would not be, you know, fast enough to catch them. Well, it's a, yeah, that city council and the, the city of Toronto and other jurisdictions decided not to enforce their own laws. Right. And that's disgusting. Right. And they offered a service, yeah. I think, that people uh, that people liked. Well, right. I, I mean, that, there's lots what... of illegal services that people like. <laughs> <laughs> It all true. All right, guys, thank you. That is Michael Diamond and Gabe DeRoche chatting with us for Counterpoint tonight here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.